Live at Five podcast. I'm Tom, and I'm the founder here at Gosnells. I'm Will, I'm the head brewer here at Gosnells. I'm James, and I make the meat. This is our informal podcast, which we're spinning out from our Instagram live sessions. We do these every Friday live at five, and we'll be talking about honey, fermentation, and of course what we're here for, the mead. We'll also be joined from time to time by some very special guests to talk about booze more generally. If you haven't already, guys, hit that subscribe button to our podcast, whatever medium you're on. Uh, leave us a review. Follow us on our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Gosnells Mead. Perfect. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. And we're live. How's it going, everybody? Oh. Another great week at Gosnells. How you doing, uh, Will? I'm good, man. I'm Yeah, I'm excited about today, actually. Got some got a good treat today. Uh, yeah, speaking of which. But uh, yeah, a little bit later on, we'll be joined by you know, somebody that in the mead world that uh, I'm definitely have uh, spent some, some time listening to and uh, taking some advice from. Ditto. But uh, before we do that, James, let's... <clears throat> Should we get a drink on? Yeah, let's get our drink on, mate. What do you feel like? Saffron? Uh, let's or... go with the eucalyptus first. You want to go eucalyptus? Yeah. yeah. How's your week been? Uh, quite good, man, I think. Um, it's kind of been one of those weeks where... Giving up for the weekend of love. I I don't know. I've just had fun this week. I've had a better... You know, let, let's get into real talk. I've had, I've had a, a bit better mental week this week, I think. Um, just things have been working out and... I don't feel as tired, as, uh, as overwhelmed as you can do, you know? That's good. How about you? Yeah, it's been pretty good. It's been a week of sort of catching up on oh, bits fine. and bobs, a bit of brewing. Um, some of the small batch project stuff has been really exciting. Um, so I've been, it's been nice to get down to the sort of nitty gritty of being a brewer. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I've sort of fed from this week. We've had a bit more time to, to experiment, a bit more sort of tasting, a bit more fun. Yeah. You know, and it's just that kind of reminder of like, oh, yeah, shit, I love my job. All those things in the back of your mind which you're trying to do all the time. Yeah. They never get around to. And also that everybody (laughs) thinks you do all the time, right? Yeah. (laughs) We had that chat last week, but it's nice (laughs) to have the brewery team back on. Um, I forgot how good this was. I know. I was just like, so this is part of our Meet the Month program. We do love jumping into these. So we did this last year where we either did a monoflora or a single origin honey or a single beekeeper honey. Um, and then we fermented it in a similar method, and then we just uh, allowed the honey to be the, you know, the the variable in the in the in the recipes. So the, the main standout ingredient. Yeah, we did we did in the end play a little bit with the uh, mm. with the ABV, but we also did one with a second strain of yeast as well because we really wanted to push that a bit further. And that was the last one, and that was the heather, and that's in our February tasting bundle. Segway. Yeah. And the eucalyptus you got for this was actually from Australia, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so I, you know, being a mead maker, I only was a mead maker here in the UK. So I kind of, the first thing, whenever I thought of making meads, I was constantly going back to, oh, I want to use this honey from home or this honey that where I grew up, you know, red box, yellow box honey, you know, like eucalyptus style. Uh, I want to get some wattle honey and that sort of stuff, you know, which is like wattle's kind of the, like the Australian version of um, acacia. Mm-hmm. big yellow flowery thing bees absolutely go nuts for it when it's when it's in full bloom but um i ended up going all right one of one of these mid the months has to be a honey from home so i got a poly eucalyptus um eucalyptus trees if people don't know don't flower every single year so they flower about every second year don't 
quote me that all of them do that. There's like a thousand different species. Yeah, I, I don't need any more eucalyptus-based emails. Um, but yeah, they usually flower about every two years. Um, so I got some honey from that from a uh, from a guy in Australia, and we did two hundred liters, punched it into this, and. Every time I put my nose into it, it takes me back to being a kid, my dad making me porridge. We used to get honey in this uh, from this. I used to have to sell honey off the back of a big old Bedford in this place called Axdale, which is between Bendigo and where I grew up in Heathcote. And um, you always used to pick up this nice honey from him. And, and yeah, it just takes me back to porridge, breakfast, and, and I can't get anything else. Like, it's just, it makes me feel so giddy. <laughs> it's just like... Buying honey off the back of a truck. Some life you play. Yeah, man. That, like, <laughs> that, that's just where we got our honey. Like, it was just a good beekeeper in, like, big, um, you know, kilo tubs for, for 10 bucks or 5 bucks or whatever. And it was proper, raw, unrefined honey. Um, but yeah. It, yeah, it was, well, it was well chosen. This is probably my favorite out of the meat of the month series. Not the saffron. Well, one of my, my favourites. One of my favourites. <laughs> don't, don't you be starting up your lies now, Dan. Yeah. But yeah, first on the, like, you probably get more of the notes than I do, but it's so much honey. It is. It's, it's, it sounds weird to say, but it smells bitter. I know that's a Yeah, I think that's the medicinal it. character of the eucalyptus right, is sort yeah. of coming through on the nose that gives you that sort of... But it's really pleasant as well. Yeah, it? it's like, I, I say it to everybody with this, like in, in Ozda, we had uh, growing up like eucalyptus lollies, like eucalyptus boiled lollies, and they used to be one of my favourite things. Like yeah. It's it's like um, barley sugar, but with just eucalyptus in there. And I don't know, it, for me, it just smells like, like lollies and treats like eucalyptus doesn't smell medicinal or anything like that to me it's just very sweet and and aromatic and 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 floral and fun mm. and it has that uh sort of, tree, kind of almost like a treacle uh molasses kind of yeah. aspect to it but then for me underneath that's a little bit of porridge a little bit oat or cereal you know a little bit yeasty as well which we quite like so we've just been spending most of the week building up our um be kind to yourself bundles which has been been fun been very arts and crafts yeah I, i've enjoyed it i've uh, been making bath bombs with uh, hu- uh hibiscus extract and some uh cascade oil uh for the for the uh hopped bath bombs and and Bees doing the candles, candles and yeah. the, the office i say the office the multi-purpose room um has been just like smelling like raw beeswax for a week now uh i was because I, 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 I was helping you out making these beeswax candles of the day and I had to go into the box where all the beeswax came from and just this, this giant cheese wheel of beeswax was in there. It's just, just it smells full of, full of just chunks and I had to fight every urge not to eat it. And bite into it. it smells <laughs> it incredible. It looks like you can, but 100% it's yeah, so can't. dense and hard. Um, yeah, so don't don't eat that, gents. I know I, you never listen to me when I tell you, but you, you just got to do it anyway. Not to eat <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just going to make you eat it. Yeah. Um, so, guys, um, our our guest today is um, Man Made Mead. Let's go with that. The Man Made Mead. So, um, in probably in a couple of minutes, I'm getting sent through a request. I know he's probably sitting there watching and waiting, but um, yeah, and we're just going to go through a few questions, uh, have a chat about mead, and. I don't know, it's just fun to talk about something we love so dearly with somebody else who uh, who loves so dearly as well. So I'm just going to jump up and just add him in. So if, you, if, if anyone hasn't seen Man Made Mead, he's a pretty prolific mead maker and he's got a nice little uh, homebrew shed that he brews out of. 
And he just sort of documents everything that he does. Makes really interesting videos. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, how are you? Thank you so much for uh, sparing some time to join us. Oh, I'm glad to do it. I mean, this is, uh, you guys caught me at a good time. I'm actually not having to work today. So this was perfect. Yeah, look, uh, these sort of things just work out sometimes, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah, while we're here, let's, let's, let's just get straight into it. Um, do you want to uh, introduce yourself and kind of give a little bit of background? Yeah, so my name's Garrett. I run a YouTube channel called Man Made Mead. Um, that's basically just a hub for mead experiments, recipes, um, essentially anything in the world of mead is somewhere on my channel. And uh, I've been doing it for uh, about three and a half years now, at least running the YouTube channel and, and brewing and just kind of going hardcore with it and going crazy. So it's been a lot of fun. That's it. And like you've, you've done so well with it and you know, you can really pick up on your enthusiasm and your love for mead, which, um, you know, to some people is, is strange, but to a mead maker is just, uh, <laughs> just our every day, you know, it's, uh, for some yeah. reason it's just grabbed a hold of us and, uh, you know, doesn't let go. So what about, what about me drew you in, in that, in that sort of, uh, that first stage? Um, so I kind of got started with mead making. I had moved to go take my first job somewhere and I wanted to start brewing. I looked at beer, um, and then I saw all the equipment needs for beer and I was like, that's ah, too much. I'm going to try this thing. It was just yeah. honey water <laughs> yeast. And I feel like I got played a little bit cause it, it's a whole lot more than I thought, but, um, I, I kind of started making mead and I, I had never really experienced much of it. And so it was really just kind of on a whim trying it. And then I found out I really liked it as I started making more and um, realized that it's a it's sort of a deep dive. You can kind of get into the beginning of it and make a couple of good batches. And then you realize that there's 10,000 more good batches out there to make. So much like beer, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, it's one of the things that we we sort of say to people is like, before you even start trying to brew beer, try mead. Like, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> so much easier. You've got everything probably in your cupboard at home if you really need to. And mm -hmm. from there, the world is your oyster, you know? So what, what did those first few batches turn out like? That's uh, it's funny you ask that. So I, um, I have a, a second channel where I do reviews, and I just reviewed one of my oldest traditionals, which was one of my first ones I'd done. And uh, it turned out okay. I mean, age has definitely helped as yeah. with any mead, for sure. It heals a lot of wounds. But um, what, I, what I learned is my early on uh, lack of understanding about balancing meads and trying to build up body and, uh, you know, counteract acidity issues or stuff like that really kind of bit me in the end because these ones were pretty, pretty flat, to be honest. They were just yeah. honey water and yeast and... Um, at that time, I didn't really even use a lot of nutrients, so I'm sure it took a little bit of time to get some of those possible fusils or just issues out of the mead. They turned out okay. Um, they were a great learning experience. That's what I'm chalking it up to. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That, like that's, that's one of the really nice things about your channel is that you're always documenting your process and, ma and making it quite transparent mm -hmm. and just sort of learning as you go, and that's, that's what's really good about oh, your yeah. channel. Yeah. I don't want to claim to ever know everything about it. In fact, I want no, to be no, no. forward and say, even, like, <laughs> I mean, even, even being a commercial mead maker, it's, it's, I 100% have never put my head on going, I know enough to even be a commercial mead maker. Yeah. You know, like, it's, it's, it's such a learning process and it's so engaging. But, um, yeah, can't claim to be an expert, you know? Absolutely. 
but it's a lot of fun to just keep learning. I think that's the most fun thing for me is once you master one idea and masters in air quotes, cause we never do, you <laughs> immediately have something else you got to figure out. So. Yeah, well, that's it. Like it's, um, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of my first meet. I think I, I think I threw it away. Not even it was, I knew it was that bad that it wasn't even worth aging and taking up the space to age. But, yeah. um, so, uh, we, we were just chatting about what we're drinking. Do you have a, a drink on hand? Anything that you're sort of, yeah, uh, actually, actually just, uh, um, it's, it's 11 AM here. So I'm uh, starting a little bit. I mean, I, I was going to say light. This isn't really light. This is a, um, a traditional meat I made. It's, I call it the smoking sunset. It's, a uh, a mesquite blossom and buckwheat honey traditional. Oh, nice. And, uh, it's pretty interesting and pretty good. And so I cracked open a bottle of it and did a review and now I got to drink it, of course. So <laughs> that's it. That's the hardest part, right? Yeah. So let let's 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 just jump straight into this. Like I'm, I've been waiting so long to talk to you. So you've been lucky enough to create like more meads than 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 I guess most people at least, but definitely more than me. Like, what 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 mead is the you know the hardest to master or the the hardest technique that you've had to master? And and you know, give us a little bit of an insight of how you got over that or how you're still working on it. Yeah. So it's, and as you, uh, as I'm thinking about this, it's kind of a lame answer, but it's true. The traditional mead is the hardest mead that I've ever had to make. And it's because you're, you're reliant on honey for one. So if you have crappy honey, you're already out of luck. If you, you know, don't really pair your yeast sometimes very well with the specific honey, you can run into issues. Um, again, talking back about the first meads, tannins and acid balances and all those things that just makes it so difficult where I feel like not to say that uh, a mellow mel is a simple me to make, but I do think you can sometimes hide mistakes behind fruit flavors um, or, you know, other things like that. So I think the traditional meat is the hardest. I think, I think that's kind of what, what it was used for as well. Like, you know, you sort of, you have a bit of a bad meat or a bit of a bad tradition. You're like, you know what, I'm just going to chuck some stone fruit, fruit on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and it's drinkable, you know? Right. Is there any sort of techniques in that sort of um, traditional playing around that you've done that, that you're like, oh, why didn't I, you know, why didn't I know this? Or, you know, or you want to share with someone and go like, just make sure you start with this, you know, whether it's nutrients or, you know, making sure that honey is the, you know, a, a decent quality honey. Yeah, it's definitely those first two things, you know, honey quality, make sure it says unfiltered and normally raw, that will save you a lot of heartache. Um, if it says honey sauce, run away as fast as you can. <laughs> yeah. So that that's like step one. And then of course, nutrients and um, that turns into a wormhole because some people love uh, dimonium phosphate, some people love fermate O, fermate K, you yes. know, go from everything, all those things are... Um, can be sort of up to opinion, but I would highly recommend to use some sort of nutrient within your brewing. Um, and then aside from those few things, understanding that I, I do a lot of back end balancing rather than trying to do balancing up front because I feel like it's just safer for me to add my, you know, malic acid or acid blend or my wine tannin or oak um, at the end of those things. That way I can control the end yeah. product more. So those those kind of advanced techniques do heighten your brewing uh, abilities and experience. Yeah, we talk talk about that a lot here too. Like getting you know getting all that fermentation characteristics right is is really important. 
but also getting towards that end product and being able to just refine all that hard work you put in at the start is just as important. Absolutely. It's good to have a, a solid foundation and that happens, of course, with the, your ingredients and then coming back and, and having the palate to alter things as you need. And that's part of it too, is developing your palate so that you can actually alter things well. Yeah, 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 that's it too. And like developing the palate comes from, you know, brewing tons of mead and tasting and, and you know, like once once you've tasted something like diacetyl, you know, like you know what it is. You know, once you've tasted something that, that the uh, the acid profile is way too high, you know it's way too high. And do you do any playing around with different types of acids for rebalancing? I am starting to do more. Um, honestly, I've been kind of a acid blend person for a while just because I've been a little bit lazy in that regard. Um, I am starting to try to experiment some more. I can't speak much to it because, like I said, I'm just get, getting yeah. my feet wet in that world, but starting to. Using, you know, once you <laughs> just using acid is probably, you know, like everybody, the first good step of, of working it out. Um, we talked a little bit about honey before, and that's kind of. You know, one of one of the things that when I become a mead maker that I just fell in love with was varietals of honey or, or you know, trying to capture that little bit of terroir that's in honey from a certain region area or a beekeeper. Like what's what's some honey that uh, that you you find yourself always going back to or when you're doing trials that you really like to use as like your your base honey that you know and understand what what's your favorite honey in another word? Yeah, yeah. So um, I really like, for one, mesquite honey is kind of up there. I'm a big, uh, I'm not a, a extremely competent whiskey guy, but I do like whiskey. So I can't go crazy and start talking about all the backdoor stuff of that. But I like the whiskey notes, the smokiness you get. So mesquite blossom honey often gets some of those, not all, but some. Um, and then I use a lot of alfalfa blossom. And I, I found that oh, it just yeah. has this nice... Uh, um, semi-roasty dark fruitiness to it that is really good for lots of different things so i, I like quite like uh not alpha, i'm sorry uh, avocado blossom yeah yeah oh, so okay, I was, yeah. yeah i was like i was like yeah um that's one thing that i haven't Ace, had a chance Ace to got work me. with <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that i really really wanted to work with uh, when i was creating a, a coffee mead and i was like doing all my research on it and everyone's like avocado honey avocado honey it's it's dark it's rich and i just haven't been able to get my hands on you know enough yeah. to play around with you've just named three honeys that are going straight on the list <laughs> <laughs> um so one of the other things that um that gets me about me making that um not not a lot of people sort of uh talk about is how honey influence like the accessibility of honey influences your recipe development do you find that as well using honeys where you know sometimes somebody just say i've got you know a, a ton of this type of honey and you're like yeah okay cool now i have to make something with it i so i found that um i've been fortunate enough to have some people send me honey like i have somebody who sent me some sourwood honey i'd never used it before in my initial response was to make a traditional because I feel, I feel like if you can understand the honey at a traditional, you can then recipe build after that. Um, and so I would say once I have an experience with the honey like sourwood or let's say Tupelo, that's one I've used recently, I definitely will start to say, okay, what recipes can I make with it um, from there? But I always make a traditional from whatever honey I get and then yeah. start to build on top of that. It's a nice, it's a nice that's a, like yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a really good way to go about it. Um, 
one of my questions because we're, we're playing around a lot at the moment with um, with different types of melomels um, mm-hmm. for a for some monthly program we have going on here. Um, how, how do you when it comes to adding fruit and or like using certain types of fruit? How do you approach that? So in all of my uh, experimentation and things, I have found um, if you can do it, the best way to do it is some in the primary, some in the secondary. If you only have one option, I prefer to put it in the secondary. I know that the beginning, the primary, you get a lot of the, um, uh, some people call it the true fruit flavor. And that's like yeah, the essence yeah. of that fruit. And uh, I think that's true. I also yeah. feel that you can sometimes lose some of the essence of that during that fermentation in the primary. So I often put mine in the secondary and keep the sweetness, if I can, of the fruit, like apples, you know, um, and also still get the fruit character essence. Well, this is it. And it, it's it's one of those things, too, where, um, you know, if you, if you can add it in both, why not? Yeah. But uh, sometimes... You know, talking about fixing meads up as well, like adding fruit in the secondary really, I know it just really keeps the fruit character intact. But you also, you know, when I use, let's say, um, like making metheglins and stuff like that, like certain uh, herbs and, and adjuncts like that don't necessarily work the same way as fruit. And sometimes you can get into the mindset of trying to use a fruit like you do a herb and it doesn't kind of work that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, anytime I add spices or any, um, anything in that regard, I'm definitely putting it in the secondary just because I want to have complete control to say, all right, get out of there. Yeah. Like, let's, let's control us. <laughs> especially with spices, like especially heavy spices like ginger and, and clove and yeah. and cinnamon. Like you, you want to be able to have that control. You want to be able to take out whenever you can. Um, so one of my, one of my questions that uh, that I uh, wanted to ask you, which everyone laughed at me for, was like, what's your what's your mead, Moby Dick? What's your like? Your, your ultimate mead that you would like to create that you just either haven't had the time or haven't had the access to, to the honey or to the yeast? Like, what's something you would like to create that you haven't quite created yet? So uh, I would say, uh, first answer would be just a really good traditional, but I'm going to forego that because that's, that's a <laughs> cop out. Um, I had this, it's a weird one. I had a peanut butter jelly sandwich mead whenever I went to a competition in Minneapolis and it was like eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich and i have no idea how they did it i'm like i've spent two years thinking about it and i want to try to make that so that's kind of mine it's a weird one though i have to ask have you already made a video about that i have i've made one it came kind of close ish i mean it was half of what that one was and so that was my like beginning research now i'm like i'm about to dive in and try to figure out how the heck to do it because it was wild yeah, because I think I, th- I yeah I think I saw that and that, that got that got me really excited about using peanut butter in in mead. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that video was right after I tried that one. I was like, I immediately went home. I was like, I'm gonna try and do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get so many, so many like um, expectations and motivations in your mind about what you're gonna make. And yeah. oh yeah, what what did you learn from that first batch? Um, well, that was the first time I'd ever used graham crackers in the secondary of a mead, which I had seen on some Reddit forums and somebody mentioned it. And so I just, I threw a few in and I learned that graham crackers can work for bready flavor. Of course they have spices in them. So I added spice naturally, but it, um, that, that was probably the biggest takeaway from it. I did learn that, uh, that was also my 
first or second time really messing around with grape juice as a base. Um, so I learned that that grape juice flavor was just, it was just gone completely. And I, I probably needed to come back and add more. And, and so balancing grape juice blend was uh, pretty important. Also grape juice quality is very important. Yeah, yeah. Like I know we, we, we played around with some um, uh, oh, piments uh, and like using like whole grapes and some grape concentrate really helped us sort of you know, uh, contain that sort of uh, great character as well, you know, and um, yeah, it's not an easy one to play with. You think like I was, a, I was a winemaker before I was a mead maker and you think coming into it that it's just split the, you know, the fermentables 50-50 and you're going to get the best of both worlds and uh, it's just, it hasn't worked out that way for me. It's not hugely right. accessible either, is it? No, well, that's it. And we found some people that do frozen, um, frozen grapes. Oh, they, yeah, and they do boxes of grape skins as well. And we're playing around a little bit with trying to get that great character through in any way that we can. Absolutely. And I learned that peanut butter character, at least in, in my opinion, um, gets stronger over time. I don't know if that was just my, I don't remember the, per, the beginning taste of peanut butter, that uh, PB&J mead or what, but I tasted it a year later and I was like, this is super peanut butter forward so ah oh, cool so as in um sitting sitting in bottle for that year just like really exacerbated the peanut character or do you think yeah. that maybe a little bit of that some of those other things dropped off i definitely think it's that i think a lot of the um the great character itself i don't know why it would dissipate but it has melded and the peanut butter flavor just kind of took over so yeah, it's peanut butter is such a dominant flavor profile as well. Like it's, uh, yeah, I'm scared to work with it. <laughs> yeah, when you put it that way, I guess you're talking about one very strong flavored aspect and then, uh, you know, grape juice can be quite delicate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so get, getting that balance. It's tough. And that's yeah, why yeah. I mean it. I want to master that one, hopefully yeah. one day. But this is this is this is the fun of mead making, isn't it? Like you like you said before, like there's never never a hundred percent right mead either. You know, it's you know there's always as soon as you finished it, you're like, oh, it tastes good. Okay, how can I make it better? Uh huh. Absolutely. But um, so uh, another question that um, I usually don't get to chat with people about, and you know, um, when I have somebody on who's who's so intertwined into the to the mead making community, um, what what do you think is like? One of the problems that we're sort of facing in the mead community at the moment. I think that we're getting um, closer with a lot of these companies and people who are making hydromels and things that are more cider-esque. I think that the, the mead world will break into the market of the rest of the world, so to speak, whenever cider drinkers kind of take the step into hydromels and like the honey character and then start wondering oh oh there's a 14 percent. what does that taste like you know yeah. i think that's going to be the the direct route and um of course people just need to mead makers need to go out and, and support mead making people and companies like yourself uh but also just talking about it with with friends it is one of those things that um i think a lot of people can feel weird like you talked about about in the beginning you know it becomes this overwhelming subject where when you become the mean making guy, you become like this nerdy dude and people are like, oh, he's just, that's just him. He just makes that weird alcohol. <laughs> yeah, which I'm okay with. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally for it. I mean, that's that's my life now and I love it. Yeah. Um, but Kind of how people uh, viewed craft brewers about 20 years ago, where it's like, oh, he's, he's the beer guy. <laughs> yeah. And now exactly. it's like everyone's, like every, every other person's a craft beer brewer and it's like, oh yeah, it's just like a 
So no, it's a normal job now. Pretty normal job now. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I, so I think that that will be the gateway into breaking into the world of me or world of, I guess, brewing in general. It's just people trying hydromels and then so on and so forth. I do think that there are some critical community issues that have arisen within the mead community that um, at least when I started brewing, I didn't feel like there was a, there were two sides of the mead community. I feel like we're kind of finding two sides. There's a, uh, I'll call it the uh, natural brewing side, which is don't touch anything that's acid blend. Don't touch anything that has any essence of unnaturalness to it. And then there's, other people who are okay with using maltodextrin in, you know, powdered wine tannin and that stuff that, I mean, wine tannin is natural, but we kind of have these two sides of the fence. And as I've been in the community longer, I I see the fence growing wider and wider. And so I'm hoping that there can be a bridge between the two where people are comfortable being on both sides. I'm a little worried that one day the meat community is going to be too, uh, too apart because of those issues. So I think it's my goal and hope is that I can bring people together in some form or fashion. Yeah. And, and through my channel, I, I do a lot of experimenting. And so I'm trying to bust a lot of myths that might be concerning to people in that regard. I think, I think that's a really good insight. Like we, we sort of see that and I've never really reflected on it myself, but we see that like we make quite a lot of hydromels, but then we also do another side of the business where we do, you know, some traditionals, we do a lot of barrel work and, you know, we, we create these sort of 15 to 16% meads as well. Mm-hmm. And, and we really see that if, if we just did hydromels, we, we used to get emails about people going like, oh, you don't make real mead. And so, you know, we, we, we make these sort of 14, 15% meads and we don't argue with people because, you know, like there, there's, there's no real definition of, of what mead should be either. For us, it just, it has to be made with 100%, well, it has to be made with a good chunk of honey or fruit. Oh, absolutely. Like, as long as you're not using sugar and things like that, I'm, I'm pretty okay with it. There's no real definition there for me. But like you would upset the people who were that sort of 14, 15%. And then when we started making that 14, 15% mead and some people from the hydromel side would buy it and come back and like, oh, we can't drink this. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot different to what we expected from the thing. And, and yeah, I've just never really made that connection. I think that's a really good point that it's... It's a divide, you know, it's not like the divide between natural wine and wine regions either, you know, like there's some cohesion in that sort of aspect, you know, and there's some, you know, there's some some people out there that are like so hell-bent on creating just natural wine, allowing the, the, the grapes to be the grapes or the wild yeast be the wild yeast and, and you know, we, we just sit back and wait for it to happen. And yeah, I, I, that's a more interesting answer than I think I've ever gotten from that question. <laughs> And it's not bad to have to be a natural brewer or to be a brewer that wants to use things. I think that's that's part of it. Is people yeah, go in yeah, and they have yeah. to pick a side. I, I, I think. I, I mean, personally, my opinion would be. Um, I, I think if if you're not using what's available to you as a brewer, then you're restricting yourself as a brewer and the possibilities of flavors. Um, you know, brewers like yourself who are experimenting with things that aren't honey, um, and it's you know, it's all stuff that you find in food anyway, and it, you know. Um, but I guess the one, I, I guess the one thing that brings both those sides together is that it's, it's all about the honey, and the honey is the main characteristic. That's a lot of time. That's the characteristic you want, either yeah. at the front of your mead, or you know, well balanced and mixed in with whatever other whatever well, that's flavors. What makes mead mead, right? You know, like honey. Honey is, you know, however we use it. For me, it's the most important part of our our mead making. Yeah. 
And I think that it's it's important that like we respect and we make the historical meads, the, you know, 2000 year old mead recipe. But I do think that some people are so um, on the camp that you have to follow the same techniques and they had no idea what techniques we have now. So I think it's a little silly to think that if somebody 2000 years ago had the ability to use a, a yeast that was meant for something that they wouldn't use it, they would choose the other option. So yeah, especially when you look at it, that, that makes it more viable. You can get more alcohol, you have less chance of wastage. It'd be a no brainer to go, of course, I want to use that strain that, you know, I'm going to get a hundred percent success rate with, or at least a 99% success rate. with. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the other side. And, and I want to hi highlight that, you know, I'm not trying to push against people, but I do want to say like, I think it's, we have the, the techniques, let's use them. Why not? Yeah. 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 And if you don't like, I think the best way to sum that is if you make good meat, good on you. Like that's, that's, if you can make good meat, it doesn't matter how you get there. As long as it tastes good at the end and it makes somebody happy or makes you happy, then you've done the right thing. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, all right, I'm, I'm I'm really happy with that. Um, I'm just gonna have a little little bit more of a drink there, and I, I think I've just been throwing questions at you, and uh, just gonna take a little second back and. Is that have you have you got any questions for us? Yeah, so I honestly um, I know a little bit about your company, but what would you guys say is your flagship uh, camp? Are you, you guys said you do a lot of hydromels. What's yeah, this, so what's your biggest need? Is a orange blossom sparkling mead at five and a half percent. It's this recipe that we've been working on as a company God, for, for six years. And about maybe a year and a half ago, we just finally nailed down that recipe. And it's the first recipe that I've ever turned around and gone, that's done. Like that, that is the best, the best we're ever going to get from that recipe. And um, it, it's got a beautiful honey nose. It's, it's carbonated to about, what, 2.7 volumes. It's nice and light. It's only 5.5%, so it's smashable. And, yeah, I think it's just this, this perfect uh, gateway for people to try mead. You know, it's got a little bit of a cider-esque quality. It's got a little bit of a, a, a beery sort of quality as we use a, 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 a lager yeast to produce it. And it's also got this beautiful honey aroma. And... Yeah, I think that's that kind of is our, our flagship and our sort of core idea of what we do here as well. Alongside that, we do a um, we do a core range called a um, it's it, so it's a four percent hops, a four percent hibiscus, um, a sour, and a a blend of citra, tarragon, and lemon peel, and sea um, salt and sea salt. Yeah. So like and then. Yeah, and like that, that sort of like metheglin based or, you know, like even the sour, which is probably, uh, what's it called when you use uh, vinegar in a mead? Um, oxamel. Yeah, it, it, oxamel, it, it's, it's, it's like a 4% hydromel version of an oxamel. And like, you know, playing around that hydromel sort of uh, area is, I guess, more our style. Yeah, and that's been, it's been really fun to work in because um, obviously we're not letting all those sugars ferment out either. We're leaving quite... A bit of sugar in the final product but obviously all that's natural from the honey so again it's just about bringing that honey character forward because that's what we're kind of about really is yeah you know, is and then the, the next step after that, that i guess is is, is we we really like showcasing honey so everything we do outside of that sort of can range is 
very simply spiced or very simply fruited, but very honey driven forward. Like we're, like we're drinking tonight, which is the eucalyptus honey, it's 8%. It's done with our house yeast up to, um, you know, pushing it right to the top. Um, you know, the fermentation structure across the 12 meads we made in that range are exactly the same. And all we do is, is change up the honey. And, and it's, it's a beautiful picture when you stand them side by side and every bottle looks different. And it's such a beautiful story to tell people that honey is such a beautiful medium, medium to, to work, work in. in. Yeah, the colors, the colors and the flavors and the, and the aromas are just, just vary so much. And when you line them all up, like I've seen you doing a few of your videos as well, it's amazing to see just how different they all are. But it's so, all yeah. from the same, it's all from honey. Absolutely. So how do you guys, not to, uh, I'm curious, how do you, uh, when you're making a five and a half percent mead, make it feel fuller bodied? Or do you guys seek to do really crispy, light, cider no, we, stuff? We, we try to uh, fill in that mouthfeel and make it really feel round and wholesome. Um, and the way that we've, we've kind of done that is through pasteurization instead of back sweetening. So okay. we start our fermentation about three quarters of the way through just to capture a lot of those mid-fermentation products. Yeah. And that, that seems to really help with body and mouthfeel. So you guys aren't doing any, um, do you do any tannin, like uh, wine tannin adjustments? Do you do anything like that? No, or you no guys... we don't do any, any tannin adjustments. Uh, we, do, like, we do use tannins, but usually it's, uh, it's either from skins, fruits, or, or barrel aging. But um, yeah, we don't really do any additions of that sort. Um, and we, we flash pasteurize. Okay, cool. That's interesting. I wondered about that. Because I know it's hard to get a fuller bodied 5% to 7%, you know, hydromel. It can be a, yeah. a tough yeah, it thing. Really, it really is. And we tried a lot of different ways. We don't sulfite either, which is, you know, one of the things that we worked really hard to be able to, to remove from our process, you know, like. Mm -hmm. um, between, between the residual sugar and the alcohol, you do, there is a nice balance. And also with the um, with the acid regulator we have as well, it's you know, it balances out nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's awesome. I'm, I mean, that's definitely a goal of mine is to master that uh, not only the taste of a hydromel, but make it feel not like some watery thing. Yeah, and look, you know, I've, I've tasted quite a lot, and I think that's that's one of the techniques that uh, if you want to make hydromels, you kind of got to nail down, right? Like you just kind of feel like you're not you're not there unless you can just create that that whole experience mm -hmm. absolutely but, um, agree what, what things at the moment are sort of making you excited about the mead world or you know what, what what's what are you finding interesting at the moment i love i i found this niche of just um scientific experiments within mead making that it just i mean i get so excited for i love making recipes and i think it's fun but the most fun videos for me are like you know, uh, like I did, I did a whole series or a whole video on our raisins nutrients. And I did this huge chart and graph and just went nuts with it. Just went crazy. And then, uh, I mean, we're, I'm doing one now that is, um, can you taste sorbates and sulfites? Oh, so cool. yeah, we, like we I, did some trials on that as well. So I've, I have a whole panel of people that I've sent bottles to and the bottles just have numbers and they're going to go through and then try to identify the one that has nothing in it. And the other three have something in it, have sorbate or sulfite. So just trying to see stuff like that. Not that I want to, um, you know, poke at people and say like, see, I told you so. But I do want to say like, I think that's, that is bridging the gap between the, the brewers who are terrified of using a sorbate or terrified of using yeah. a sulfite because they've heard it's like poison, you know, you're going to die if you, if you touch it. And I just think that, um, 
it might help out some. It's not bad to avoid using them. No, that's it. And if you can, like, I'm definitely not afraid to use them or or have any problem with with using them. It's just uh, it's one of those, you know, for me, like the the more steps we can remove from the process and keep the quality the same, you know, the uh, the you know the better it makes our job. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, I, I think that's really cool. That that's uh, one of the things that we sort of. We play around because I know that sulfites uh, aren't necessarily just like they're, they're not just for um, for stabilizing either. You know, like they do have some some added benefits to them as well. You know, um, you know, protecting from oxidization for one and retaining color for another, especially when you're doing traditionals and, and things like that, that are that are, you know, you're wanting to have that sort of those qualities stick around for as long as possible. They're, they're, they're a great tool in the arsenal. Absolutely. I just love the mead myth. That's that's my whole thing is the mead myth busters kind of idea. And so just putting things to the test to see what happens. I started, a, I just started one the other day that was, it's three gallons of mead and I put one gram of yeast in one, three in another and five in another. And so just kind of document the process. Of course, the five grams is probably gonna ferment faster, but will there be a taste difference? Stuff like that is, uh, it's pretty nerdy, but it's, Pretty fun to me. It's, I, it's yeah, it's nice. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's great. And, and, and also, I mean, brewers are maybe the worst of this where they'll hear one rumor and then they'll swear by it. So it's really good. It, it, it's really good to have someone to be like, okay, well, let's just, let's just break it down before, you know, we get into a, a fist fight about what is and what isn't. <laughs> and I, um, I mean, I fell in the cool. same trap too when I started. We were we we were watching uh, I think one of your most recent videos possibly where you were um, tri trialing different types of yeast across the same must, and one I mean one of the yeasts you used was a, a bread yeast which is something I wanted to try as well because bread yeast is one of those things that people have lying around in their cupboards all the time, and I'm I'm always trying to get people onto making mead because again it's obviously those things one of those things you can just make at home and yeah. you probably have the right equipment. Um, but uh, I think from what I remember, the bread, the bread yeast performed quite well. It was, uh, it was not great. So uh, the other, <laughs> oh, one, okay. yeah, like, uh, yeah. It, the, the other seven it finished, were, though, didn't it? were decent. Some were, I mean, they finished through. I mean, most bread yeast can hit 12 to 13, you know, if you feed them well and you do, if you don't shock them. Um, yeah. But it, it just didn't, um, it had more problems with flocculation. It had lots of problems with, uh, honestly, just uh, putting off this weird aroma as very bready, of course, yeah. I mean, being bread yeast, but also the way it metabolized and it just ate the sugars is not the same scientific process as. No, well, that's it. And that's why we've selected other strains to, to do for our brewing process. You know, like I think it's bread yeast that um, one of its metabolic pathways is to produce more CO2 than, than your basic brewing yeast. You know, to allow that, that bread to have more bubbles inside and, and, and less alcohol. Yeah. So like stuff like that. And I mean, the, the test I just started one gram, three gram, five gram is to kind of combat the, um, the idea that you have to use five grams of yeast in a, a gallon of meat. When I first started, that was the, that was the staple. It's like, yeah, you yeah. Know, almost a gallon of water, three pounds of honey and five grams of yeast. And that was it. We, we've, so, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been getting great results with like 0.5 gram, uh, per liter. Oh, um, yeah. So half two point two point five grams in 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 a gallon. Yeah. yeah. When, when you when you start commercial brewing as well, like yeast yeast is is one of the things that uh, you know you really have to be careful with, and you know is expensive as well. Like on the homebrew level, it's 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 expensive. It doesn't really get too much 
less expensive on the commercial level. So, you know, running starters and building those up and starting to learn how, how you can just keep that yeast going and being able to transfer from from one demijohn onto another. Like we've got a couple of wild ferments here that we, we picked up some wild yeast from our car park and using it as a salera, you know, just keep feeding it sugar and feeding it sugar and taking it away. You know, like yeast is, it may not be the same as the dry packet as the generations grow and it changes, but it's definitely not going to be a bad, a bad mead or, you know, produce a bad thing to, uh, you know, uh, to, to keep those sort of generations running. Yeah. And I think that getting people into brewing, using bread yeast is a good start. But if you can, if people can understand that they only need one to two grams of yeast for a gallon, then they can go buy a five gram packet and know that they can use it for two and a half gallons and not feel like, oh man, I got to spend six bucks on this whole packet of yeast for this one thing. No yeah. way. That's insane. So I think that might get more people into it. I know that bread yeast has varied results and I, I worry about yeah, people yeah. using it as their starting point and then tasting the their homemade mead, probably having never tasted commercial mead and going, oh mead sucks. Like this yeah. doesn't taste good. I'm out. So yeah. um like uh so we, we we do try to keep these under an hour and and I we I could sit here all day and 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 chat about uh, uh, mead and and God I could spend a whole day chatting about bread yeast like one of the questions running through my head is is every bread yeast the same strain <laughs> like does that mean that depending where you are in the world you have different bread yeast is there a, is there a part of the world that has a bread yeast that I really want. Uh, that's, I don't <laughs> but, know. that's a good question. Yeah. Um. La last thing is like you know where where can everybody find you? Like um. Yeah. Give five minutes and and just tell everybody what you're doing and and where to find you. Yeah. So my big avenue is uh, YouTube. It's just man made mead, and um, if you look it up, you'll find some of my videos. Like I said, I do lots of recipe building, of course, and. Um, lots of sciencey things. I, I'm trying to really bring the mead community together. So I've been doing things like um, tell me your mead story, where people can send me a video of what got them into mead, and I put them all together and post that up. So that's that's kind of my avenue. It's just YouTube. Um, I have an Instagram and stuff, but I, I mean, I just I post some things on here. Obviously, we're on here now. So. Um, that's my big place. Uh, I really want to use rather than my time to highlight my stuff because that's whatever. But I want to say anyone listening needs to go and try commercial mead, whether it's you guys' mead or your local mead. Um, the most important thing you can do for yourself and for the mead community is support the people making it 100%. and develop your palate. Don't just taste your own mead. You're doing a disservice to yourself. If you step back and have only ever tried your own mead, you won't grow in the same way you will yeah, if you it. go try a commercial brewer, um, commercial meadery. So go go spend the money, support the meaderies, and, uh, of course, make your own. 100%. And, and, and that, that, you couldn't have put it better. Like, you know, you can make all your mead at home. You can be the best mead maker, and no one will ever know unless you compare it to something else. Yeah. So. so thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you having a drink at 11 o'clock. I know that's a real struggle. <laughs> hey, it's um, great. This is, this is a good start to my day. What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it uh, seem less, uh, less dire. But um, amazing. Like, I'd, I'd love to have you back on. Um, and, uh, yeah, good luck. And thank you so much for your, your time and effort put into the mead community. Um, yeah, we're, we're indebted to you. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you guys. Hope you have a nice night.
We will. We Great. will. Cheers. Thank you very much. Enjoy Cheers. your day. See you guys. All the best, mate. That was great. That was what, what, what a, just a lovely, lovely man. I'm going to get up and just make sure that it's uh, closed off. Sure but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. I've been watching his stuff for a while, and it's really good to just sort of get his perspective on what he does. He's obviously really passionate about making mead. It's um, like, like I said, like when you when you you know become a mead maker, it's 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 almost a way of life, isn't it? Like you kind of just it's a rabbit hole, right? That's a better way to look at it. Like yeah. you think you start playing around with your first one or two batches, and you go, okay, that's nice, and then you make the one batch where you're like, oh, that's really good. Mm. Okay, oh, I'm just going to make that again, and then you don't, and you're like, oh, okay, what have I done wrong here? Then then you go down the rabbit warren of how can I improve this? What what can I do here? And you know, you go down the Wikipedia hole or the YouTube hole and you watch 20 hours of man-made mead or some other, you know, mead maker on there trying to figure out how can I make my mead just that little bit better. One thing I wish I asked him is actually is how, what, what, the, mead, what the mead scene is like in America because, I mean, obviously that's where a lot of the inspiration for Goslums came from mm-hmm. um, as a company. But um, it's obviously there's, there's, there's like how, however many meaderies opening up every day over there i think that that's one thing that we will sort of uh play through on the uh on the old instagram live podcast is uh trying to get a little bit more in touch with more meaderies uh more mead enthusiasts and yeah just just, like you said build that community like there's something about me that uh that really makes us motivated and and want to do more and more and more speaking of guests who have we got on next week so next week, James, who do we have on next week? We have Sam from uh, Old Spike. Old Spike Roastery. Talking about coffee. We did a uh, a coffee boucher uh, this month. Are we still in February? Yes, we are. Did we do it in February? Did we do it in did January? It in January, yeah. Last month, we did a coffee boucher. Um, and I, Old Spike, which is only, what, three units down from us, a coffee, local coffee roastery. Um, and, yeah, we're going to get Sam, who's the head roaster, to come on and, and talk about coffee. That'd be great. He's he's been he's been there for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been there for yeah a couple of years at least. So um, yeah, guys, if you want to find out about some coffee mead and coffee in general, then uh, join us next week. And uh, I wanted yeah. to say that. Join us next week. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for stopping by, guys, and uh, yeah, see, see you again next Friday. Ciao. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed that. So hit the subscribe and like button. And follow us on all our social media and we'll see you again next week. If you've got any questions or thoughts or just want to chat about mead and honey, then drop us an email to podcast at goslands.co.uk. Or better still, jump on our Instagram live at fives. Ask us uh, any questions that you have and watch us scramble to try to find the answer and uh, look like we know what we're talking about. Or if you want to see what I look like, you can head on over to the website at www.goslands.co.uk.